Let's pray together. King of glory, as you formed the world by your spirit, you sorted out the formless, watery chaos and established the earth, making us a place to live and to serve you. In these moments, by your same spirit, take the raw material of our hearts and lives and hover over us, bringing order to our chaos. Give us grace as we hear your word so that our hearts might become the place where your glory dwells and that the fullness of our lives might become fully yours. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading is taken from Psalm 110, verses 1 to 7, pages Uh, Page 613 of your Bibles. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on the day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way, and so he will lift his head high. This is the word of the Lord. Would you please take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1, and we'll read also from chapter 2. This is on 1182, 1183 of your pew Bibles. We have a couple of verses listed there. I might read just a couple of more as well. So I'll give you the address before I read them, and you can see them for yourself in your own copy of the scriptures. So let's hear God's word together. First of all, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. 1, verse 9. I want you to see the words fullness all over these passages. Verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And then Verse 19, verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn then to chapter 1, verse 25, 125. I have become its servant, servant of the gospel, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God, how? In its fullness in its fullness verse 28 he is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ then chapter 2 verse 2 my goal 
is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. And then finally, let's read chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, our key text for the day. Chapter 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Everything is amazing and nobody is happy. Everything is amazing and nobody is happy. That is what the American comedian Louis C.K. said a few years back. I think one of my former pastors quoted it. Turns out, in the meantime, that Louis C.K. himself was also unfulfilled, unhappy. And like so many other unhappy men, particularly in America and other places, who seemed to have everything, they were searching for more fulfillment. And in Louis C.K.'s case and many others, seeking fulfillment through inappropriate advances towards women. Everything is amazing and nobody is happy. Who is Jesus? We've been asking ourselves in this series in Colossians 1 and 2. This is our third week. First, Sam asked, who is Jesus? And answered, image, image of God. Last week, who is Jesus? Reconciler came the answer. And this week, Paul answers to the question, who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is fullness, fullness. Why does he say this? Chapter 2, verse 8. He says this because he was worried about the culture surrounding the, the Colossian church. What was going on? Well, various religious practices and philosophies were starting to look rather attractive to the Christians there, and they were losing a little bit of their interest in Jesus. Now, you might think, this is 2019, and we've got a first century religious guy telling people to watch out for strange religious beliefs and philosophies. What could be more irrelevant to us today? But not so fast. After all, we are constantly going after false fillers, things that might be good or might be bad. But either way, things that will not, that will not fulfill us. False fillers. So we'll ask, what are these false fillers? But then we'll ask, is Jesus really any better? How does fullness in person, as Paul claims Jesus is, fulfill us in a way that nothing else can? And then finally we'll ask, if this is true, what would change in our lives? How could we be filled 
and then overflowing. False fillers, fullness in person, and finally filled and overflowing. So first, let's look at false fillers. Say that five times fast. We all have desires for things, for experiences, for people. People are constantly coming across our Facebook feeds, onto the television, into the bestseller racks at the bookstores. And they're saying, look, if you really want to be fulfilled, then you've got to adjust your desires in this way and then adjust your behaviors in this other way. Let's look at just a couple of examples from our culture. Modern culture tells us what? That more is more. More things, more experiences, more people. And so we say, okay, more is more. And we go after stuff. We go after square meters. We go after lake views and mountain views. We go after wine cellars. We go after shoes. We go after stuff. And we also gobble up new experiences, don't we? Vacations, Instagram likes, romantic encounters, academic degrees, new and more exciting jobs, a second mouthful of french fries. We go after experiences. And we also want people. In fact, our temptation is to reduce people into mere things and experiences to make us fulfilled. If only I had a child. If only I had another child. If only I had a better behaved child. If only I had a spouse. If only I had a different spouse. If only I had a better friend. If only I had a, a real lover. If only I had another lover on the side. I would be happy. We go after people. When we see, of course, someone consuming things and experiences in people like this, we think, what is wrong with this person who can never seem to be happy without more and more and more? But if we're honest, we want more and more and more as well. But then there's another popular philosophy that's compelling to many of us, and that is not more is more, but rather what? Less is more. Less is more. Minimalism is on the rise. Fewer things, fewer experiences, fewer people. The minimalist says, I don't need stuff. I don't need thrills. I don't need people. I need the things that I really need. And everything else is stealing my fulfillment. And people admire minimalists, at least at first, right? But the problem is that minimalists often think that they're better than non-minimalists. People who fill their lives with things and experiences and people, they can't bear spending time with themselves. But I, a minimalist, I can. I rather like myself, actually. And these people become a little unattractive to us, after all. But then, even more popular these days is a third way of doing this. Not more is more, not less is more, but rather less, but better. Less, but better. 
in this way of doing things, what do you fill your lives with? You fill it with joy. And how do you get joy? Well, you do it by asking everything, every experience, and every person in your life, do you spark joy? Now, almost overnight, uh, this Japanese tidying up expert, Marie Kondo, has invaded our Facebook feeds and our Netflix queues. Uh, according to Wikipedia now, um, to Google, of course, means to search the internet, but to Kondo means to clean out a closet. I read that in, on the German version. I'm pretty sure I got it right. But it's become a verb, to Kondo. But here's the thing. Whether you are a more is more consumerist, or you're a less is more minimalist, or you're a better, uh, less but better tidy upper, what is your focus? Well, your focus is this. How do I get stuff and experiences and people into this hole of mine so that I am fulfilled? Now, when you step back from this, you realize that's an awfully lot of pressure to put on a romantic partner, to put on your, vocation, or your vacation plans, to put on your socks and your underwear. Does this spark joy? It's a lot of pressure to put on your children, on your work, on your furniture. Everything is evaluated and judged by its ability to fulfill you. Can it meet my need? Does it spark joy? And if it doesn't do the trick, it's gone. Now, I'm really glad, thinking about this, that my wife doesn't look at me every evening and ask herself, does he spark joy? Because <laughs> that would be about the end for me. My favorite band, U2, sings, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, a haunting song. Culture comes to us in so many ways, as it did in the first century, and says, oh, really? You haven't found what you're looking for? Here's what you're looking for. And we think, oh, maybe it is. And that's precisely why we, and not just the Colossian church 20 centuries ago, need this scripture passage. Because these are, Paul tells us, false fillers. False fillers. But then very quickly, and secondly, Paul adds that you don't need false fillers because you have what? You have in Jesus, fullness in person. C.S. Lewis asked, if we find that the things of this world don't completely satisfy us, could it be that maybe we were made for another world? By looking to things and experiences and people to provide us with this fullness, Lewis says, we are actually showing that we have problems with our desires, that they are messed up. But what does he hasten to add? He says, it's not that they're too strong, these desires of ours, but rather that they are too weak, too weak. Here in Colossians, Paul says that if we are looking for something beyond Jesus to provide us with the fullness that we crave, then we actually haven't really experienced 
the real Jesus. Because the real Jesus, chapter 2, verse 9, is what? Is the fullness of God in a human person. God has revealed himself in creation, in kings and priests and prophets and rituals and songs and poems. But the writer to Hebrews and John, the evangelist, they both say at the beginning of their works, he has finally and fully shown himself how? In this one person, Jesus. And Paul says, Jesus' fullness, there is nothing of God that is not present in Jesus. In Jesus, he says elsewhere, we see the very glory of God in a human face. In Jesus Christ, the fullness of God, John tells us, moved into the neighborhood and lived among us. And Paul's counsel to us here is that if you are not content in and with Jesus Christ alone, then what you want is something better than God. And that's just not going to happen. In fact, if you meet Jesus Christ and you decide that, you know, to be full, to be content at the, at the core of my being, what I really need is something else then you haven't really met the real Jesus Christ at all. Or you did meet him, the very fullness of God in a human person, and you've said, that's nice, but I need something more. And either way, what a disaster. Because it's not just that Jesus is God's fullness, verse 10, but also that Verse 11, I think I'm getting these mixed up, verses 9 and 10, but also that Jesus alone can do what? Can bring God's fullness into our lives, the fullness for which we are made. That Jesus himself alone is the fullness for which we have been made. But here's the thing. You can't just add Jesus into your otherwise full life. Adding Jesus to your life is not like adding a thing, an experience, or a person, a normal person, to your life. Adding Jesus to your life is not even like adding the best imaginable thing, experience, or person to your life. We can't put Jesus on the level of joy-sparking socks and underwear, vacations, or even spouses. We can't reduce the fullness of God to just another thing, experience, or person, can we? And so we must never think of our Christian faith as just another way for some people to feel a sense of greater fulfillment. And if it works right now for you, if it sparks joy, great. If it doesn't for your neighbor, eh. Jesus is not in competition with these false fillers. He is not the most filling among other fillers. But Paul says he is what? He is fullness. And so he alone fills. And if you are trusting in Jesus, then he says you are full in him. Your desires for other things are not necessarily wrong. But if you think that you are not a full person, unless you have other things, experiences, and people, 
in addition to Jesus, then you're wrong. Because after all, the one who is over all and through all and in all has been given fully to you. And you in him are full, complete in Jesus, lacking absolutely nothing. Now you could have just the right things, experiences, and people in your life. I hope you do. But if you are not filled and completed by and in Jesus, given to you, then with all of that right stuff, you will never feel and taste fullness. But the good news is that the opposite is also true. If at the core of who you are, you have Jesus filling you, then you can lack all kinds of other things, all kinds of experiences, and all kinds of people, and you can still be absolutely complete in Christ. And if this weighs heavy on your soul, friends, know this, no matter how many false fillers you have tried, all of his fullness fullness is still offered to you today generously given, poured out at the cross and ready now to be poured into your hearts by God's Holy Spirit. And so today, whether for the first time or the hundredth time perhaps, if you know, that's me, I'm restlessly looking for fulfillment anywhere and everywhere except in Jesus, then come to Jesus and be fully, finally, full. So we've got false fillers. We've got fullness in person. And then lastly, we've got the Christian life, which Paul tells us is filled and overflowing. On the occasion of our annual congregational meeting, can I ask a personal corporate church question? What would it be like to be really filled and fulfilled as a church? You know, there's a certain excitement that comes when a new pastor comes around. Maybe that excitement has worn off for you. I don't know. But many of us, as we've discussed things, are are hoping to take advantage of this natural excitement. And now we want to grow our church, don't we? To expand our reach, naturally. But as I mentioned, though, in my letter in the report for the congregational meeting. I don't want us to start trying to save the world for Jesus until we really allow Jesus to pry open the world of our minds and our hearts and to make a whole new world out of them, full of who? Full of himself. And only then will will we be able to enjoy serving Jesus as his people because only then will it actually be Jesus and not ourselves, that we're serving. And on a personal level, the same is true for our individual lives, our marriages, our families, our friendships, our careers, our possessions. The glorious thing here is that once we learn to receive true fullness in Jesus alone, then we can begin to receive and enjoy everything else that comes into our lives the only way that we can safely and really 
and fully enjoy them in the first place. And that is in and through Jesus himself. You see, once we are full in Christ alone, then we become radically free. Free to what? Free to enjoy the good gifts that we receive. Free to seize the opportunities that we have. Free to pursue singleness. Free to pursue marriage, careers, whatever. Why? Because we're now in Christ receiving them and pursuing them properly. Augustine says famously, love God and do whatever you want. It's dangerous to say. But if it's really happening, if we're really receiving our fullness in Jesus, he gives us the desires of our hearts. And in this freedom of being full in Christ, we can finally pray, Jesus, this person, this thing, this experience that you've given me, is nice. Thank you for it. Thank you for them. But Jesus, with or without them, I am complete in you. So thank you above all for you. For you. And conversely, we're also free, aren't we, to pray for the things that we desire. Jesus, you know me. You know that I would love a spouse, a friend, a job, a child. Please give these things. But above all, be you for me. Give or take away. Because I am full and always will be in you alone. And finally, and maybe most refreshingly of all, receiving Jesus as our only fullness means that we can finally begin to overflow into the lives of others by giving them things and experiences, and even finally giving them our real and full in Christ selves. And so may each of us, Paul calls us to this, may each of us, whether we have a lot or a little, whether we're lonely now or we have many friendships, whether our work sparks joy for us tomorrow morning or it leaves us feeling lousy, May each of us be able to say, now and in the days ahead, Christ is all of God's fullness, and I am utterly full in Christ. And then may we, even as we have a congregational meeting together and think about our future and reflect on our past, may we together as a body be able to say today and then tomorrow, out of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And now, full in him as his people, let us overflow into our city together, into generous giving, the giving of things and experiences and even our very selves. Let us be full in him, IPC, and then overflowing with fullness to our community for his sake. And wouldn't all of this just be something wouldn't it be something? We have to ask ourselves, are you, are we full in Christ? Gracious God and Father, we pray that having met Jesus this morning, his fullness would come 
as a fresh experience to our hearts and lives. That it would give us the boldness and courage to let go of things that are ugly, to receive good gifts as good gifts, but always to find all of our fullness in Jesus alone. We thank you for sending him in the fullness of time. And we pray that when the time finally comes, you will make all of his fullness so complete for us and for the entire creation that he will say, I make all things new and all in all becomes the creation under the reign of the fullness of the Lord Jesus. We long for that day, bring a foretaste of that great fullness into our lives, into the life of our church today and in the days ahead. We ask it for Jesus, our fullness sake. Amen.